and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where the events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Jay Swords. This is the 508th show of ROI, and our guest for today is Brett Menard, Blackhawk College Community instructor, who's going to talk to us about his class, Can Creativity Save the World? Joining us for the second segment of the show will be our history buff, Ed Broders. So to begin with, welcome back to the show, Brett. Um, for those of you who are not um, you know, constant listeners, uh, Brett also serves as a history buff. So today he put on his guest hat. Um, and it's not the first time that he's done that, nor will it probably be the last. So welcome back. Thanks for having me. All right. So. Um, we're going to call this first segment of the show Farouk Dinarin. Our goal is to give listeners a little bit of background. So start us off with the easy topic of what creativity is. Uh, so you'd think that'd be an easy topic, but like everything else, once you start trying to define it, it gets really hard. So you have a number of theorists who come up with technical definitions, things you can design experiments around. You have uh, people who have more practical. This is what it looks like in daily life. Uh, there are cultural and uh, psychological definitions. So it really is hard to kind of drill down to what is creativity. And so we spent an entire two-hour class uh, just offering samples uh, of what people have come up with to answer that question. And it was by no means an exhaustive list. All right. So, so give us some specific details. Pick one from each of your categories and walk us through the theory so that we can get some sense of, of how many different ways this topic has been approached. So the most common uh, theory from a technical standpoint is by a pair of individuals called Kaufman and Begito. And they break up creativity into four different parts. There's big, little, mini, and pro. And so big creativity would be genius level, changing the field, um, Einstein, Van Gogh, Da Vinci type creativity. Really hard to come by, um, makes a big impact. Little C creativity is much more of your everyday, this is new to me. Um, so I am finding a new way um, to do something in my life. And the big thing there is it's new to me. Pro-C looks at this idea of kind of the consummate professional. So I am able to, in my professional life, apply the various techniques I know to have a 
pardon me, optimal outcome, and maybe make some uh, some little tweaks, but nothing that fundamentally changes the field. Okay, so that that seems like a very sort of pragmatic approach. Um, are there theories of creativity that are more, I don't know, abstract than that, more, um, you, you know, more, more of, more of a pure theoretical base. And I guess along with those lines is, is, you know, how does one go about studying creativity? What do you do if you want to find out more about it? Uh, so to break down your question into two parts, I'll take the second piece first. How do you go about studying creativity? There's basically four questions in creativity research that researchers try to um, deal with. Who's creative? How are people creative? Why are people creative? And what is creativity? So if you're looking for some of the very abstract, you can find abstract models in all of those, but especially, I would argue, mostly in what is creative. Because there's a, a big debate in the field of does something need to be useful to be creative? Uh, and experts disagree. It's one of those really fun arguments to watch uh, during panels. Okay, so I, I guess the, the, the next question I want to sort of make sure that we, that we cover before we hit our break here. For most people, I think, creativity, the, their approach to creativity is that it's something you either have or you don't have. Um, if you're Darwinian, maybe you can argue that it's genetic and you're born with it. Um, other folks sort of see it as lightning in a bottle or whatever. Um, so is creativity something that can be taught or learned, or is it something that happens sort of out of the blue or, you know, somebody is born uh, highly creative and that's kind of the end of it? How, how does that work? So the answer to your question is yes. So there seems to be a minimum threshold required for creativity, but it is very low. Practically speaking, every adult reaches that bar. Um, so everyone can be creative and if you want to use uh, John Cleese's definition, uh, which is by creativity, I simply mean a new way of thinking about things. Um, everyone's creative, but you can train people to be more creative. Uh, and one of the areas this is easiest, um, or at least more, most straightforward is idea generation. So there are all kinds of tools and trainings you can do to uh, increase your idea generation. And even if you never get a larger percentage of those ideas, 
being novel or creative, if you're having more of them, you have more opportunities to find something that works. All right. Well, we obviously have a lot more to talk about, so please stay tuned for the next segment of the show. This is ROI on KALA St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. In times of joy, in moments of grief, broadcasters come through even when all else fails. Today, with more ways than ever to experience the moments that transform our lives, Americans still choose broadcast radio and television more than all other media combined. We are the local broadcasters of radio and television, reaching more people, touching more lives. Brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Hello and welcome back to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Jay Swords. This is the second segment of the show referred to as The Kitchen Table. Our guest for today is Brett Menard, Black Hawk College University instructor, and we're talking about his class, Can Creativity Save the World? Our history buff for today is Ed Broders. Ed, why don't you start us off? Thanks, Jay. Um, Brett, is uh, is creativity related to intelligence? And before you answer, um, I think we also need to put on the table that intelligence is like creativity and obscenity. I know it when I see it, but I can't define it. <laughs> so, kind of. So, uh, as I said, before we went to break, there seems to be a threshold uh, requirement of intelligence uh, to be creative at all. And then there seems to be another threshold for big C creativity, for this kind of field-changing creativity. Uh, And there's lots of theories on why that is. A lot of them have to do, again, with um, theoretically, if you're more intelligent, your brain is more efficient. So more ideas, easier to find the good one. Um, And generally, um, people who score on an IQ, high on an IQ test are able to make abstract connections. So there's not a direct correlation, but there does seem to be a threshold you have to cross. Uh, And intelligence seems to be necessary, but not sufficient. So a high IQ doesn't guarantee um, high levels of creativity, but it's hard to uh, have high levels of creativity that of the type that will change your field if you aren't uh, really smart. <laughs> um, so let's. I want to piggyback off of that because we've kind of talked around this idea of you know the more ideas you have, the the more things you have, the the more creative you can be. Talk to us a little bit about uh, more about how that works. How is it that that or or what is it about having more ideas that creates 
creativity and can you use that as a, is there a theory out there that uses that as a construct to explain why certain people are more creative or less creative so the idea generally behind creativity is you're combining things in a way that they haven't been combined before and so if you have more things uh, in your proverbial um, pot, you're going to have more incidents of those things banging together. And hopefully one of them, one of these combinations, solves the problem that you're trying to solve, whatever it is. So there are several theorists who have talked about different ways to make that more likely. Um, one of the big ones would be a gentleman by the name of Don Treffinger, uh, who argues that creativity is definitely a process rather than a uh, thing, an individual event. And he develops a creative problem solving system to help make creativity easier. Uh, Brett, um, where does memory come in all on this? Um, Ed's theory of intelligence is that intelligent people simply have far better memories than most other people. Uh, and the reason I say that, uh, it's such a simple thing as being able to read is a function of memory. Because if you don't understand what those symbols mean, then, then you can't read is is that somehow tied in with all this? That is a marvelous question, Ed. I so thought, I thought so too. <laughs> I'm sorry. So the the answer seems to be kind of because really the best predictor of creativity is um, a personality factor called openness to experience. So if I am a person who likes to try new things, I will have more widgets or whatever that I can attach in different ways and that I can combine in different ways. So if you want to argue that I have to remember the experience um, to make that connection, then memory becomes a significant part of it. But a lot of this seems to happen either unconsciously or subconsciously. So it's not quite as simple as saying, if I have a good memory, I can be more creative. And in some ways, you could argue that cre creativity would be hurt if your memory is too good. Because if you always know how the puzzle fits together, there's no incentive to try new things. You fall into very predictable thinking patterns. So if we look at creative mathematicians, uh, pretty much everyone who has a groundbreaking theory in math has their theory, has their breakthrough before they're 25. So you seem to need 
some level of expertise, but not be so ingrained in the culture of the field that you uh, aren't willing to challenge assumptions and combine things in different ways. Brad, I'm going to kind of follow up on that too, because I'm glad you talked about that idea of subconscious or unconscious. Um, because we always think of creativity, particularly big C creativity, groundbreaking creativity, as the result of a, of a eureka moment. You know, we have Archimedes sitting in his tub, you know, and uh, suddenly he solved this, this grand equation. And we have lots of anecdotal stories of these, you know, people who have these groundbreaking um, ideas who talk about the same thing. I was driving along or I was sitting at dinner by myself and looking out the window and not thinking about anything at all. And all of a sudden, whatever happened, happened. Um, so when we go back to what you talked about with Treffinger, this idea of, of creativity being a learned process, how does all of that sort of mix together? How do I learn to to make my subconscious or my unconscious more useful or more effective? Or how do I train myself to become better at recognizing it, at consciously pulling up the things my subconscious are doing? So there's a couple of things that you can do. Um, and the first is put yourself in new and novel situations. So if you if you need to have a creative breakthrough, go to a restaurant you haven't gone to before. Um, take a new path uh, to get to work. All of those things will help kind of kickstart the process because they get you out of your habitual thinking type. Um, you can also use a number of different brainstorming techniques. Um, my two favorite being forced association and um, sort of worst case scenario thinking. So with forced association, you have a list of words and you have to combine them um, together in a certain situation. So there's a bunch of different kids games uh, that do that. My favorite being uh, a game called Snake Oil. In terms of worst case scenario thinking, if I am trying to create the next big social media platform, I can start by thinking what are all of the features that would be absolutely horrible for a social media platform to have. And I list them off and then I can go back and check that list and work on how to make sure that doesn't happen. So I want to make sure my social media platform is not needlessly complicated. I want to make sure that uh, uh, I know a terrible social media platform would make it hard to find people I already know. So I, I solved that problem. So those are some of the ways that you can increase creativity. Okay, I'm going to follow up here. Um, 
because I have read um, that uh, there are different kinds of creative people, and um, and and that that those creativity styles uh, certainly affect the kind of creativity that that people produce. Um, can you give me an example? I'm thinking of Treffinger, but there are others that that would apply as well. Um, can you give me an example of, of what sort of creative th- styles would be? So the two big picture uh, categories that come to mind are you have your explorers and your developers. And your explorers just want to continuously play with ideas. And they um, are like giant three-year-olds always asking why. So if you have an explorer trying to produce a car, they will ask questions like, well, why does it need three wheels? Why does it need an internal combustion engine? Why do we put the engine in the front and the cargo uh, capacity in the back? And developers look at ideas that already exist and try and make them more efficient. So a developer looks at a car and goes, what metals can I use to make it lighter but still retain strength? Or what uh, can I do to the transmission to make it more fuel efficient? Uh, And to be really effective, you need both of these types of people working together. Uh, which is hard to do because they inherently clash. They do not see eye to eye, but you really need both parts. Yeah, Brett, um, where does technology fit in all of this? Um, The reason I ask is because science um, these days is very highly specialized, uh, even in fields that um, are somewhat holistic, like ecology. Um, and, and does that hamper us collectively? Um, and, and the other thing that I think about a lot is the death of, of liberal arts in colleges and universities and the humanities. So you do seem to have, um, two kinds of hierarchies at play. Um, that influence creativity, um, and sometimes they play with sci- with uh, tech, sometimes they don't. So a flat hierarchy is something we generally find in the humanities where it is uh, any idea can interact with any other idea. I, I don't need to categorize things. In the sciences, we tend to have... Uh, what are called steep hierarchies. So if you think about it like kids' toys, a steep hierarchy would be each kid gets their own toy box. So Barbies go with Barbies, Max box, box cars go with Max box cars, Legos go with Legos. Uh, flat hierarchies, there is one toy box for the entire uh, family and everything goes in there and you just try and play with whatever you pull out. Uh, 
with sciences, you need to have steep hierarchies, but our creative scientists tend to be a little flatter in their thinking. So it's, it is a continuum. So I need to be able to um, have enough hierarchy that I know that things will combine in a somewhat predictable fashion. Uh, but I still want to make sure that I'm getting outside of the established connections. Does that answer your question, Ed? Um, pretty well. Um, many science um, curricula today, however, I think you don't get, I don't think you get much beyond an English requirement. And um, I found that, um, I was an ag major at Iowa State, and very few of my ag cohorts had taken any kind of meaningful um, class outside of the ag school. Um, and oddly enough, the, the best class, one of the best classes I had was computer science because it was the only class that I was given a problem, and there was more than one way to skin a cat. So... Um, what are your thoughts on that subject as to whether like people like engineers whose whose curriculum is basically laid out before them for four years of college uh, what are your thoughts about this uh, so what the research suggests is that our creative scientists and engineers and and whatnot are people who have interests outside their field. So a lot of them play musical instruments or engage with the arts in some fashion. So it does seem to suggest that it, they were onto something when they required you to take courses outside of your area of expertise. And again, if you think of the early analogy, earlier analogy of, um, tossing everything in a bucket and seeing what connects, the more different items you have, the more places you're drawing ideas from, the more likely you'll find a connection that people haven't found before. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to wrap things up. So please stay tuned. This is ROI on KLA St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. You're listening to Relevant or Irrelevant. This series is produced at St. Ambrose University's KALA Radio and has been honored by the Midwest Broadcast Journalists Association and the Iowa Broadcast News Association for excellence in public affairs journalism. You can hear this edition of ROI and many previous programs in this series by visiting Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, plus Apple Podcasts. ROI airs Friday nights at 9.30 p.m. on KALA HD2 and can also be heard at 106.1 FM in the Metropolitan Quad City area. You can stream this show every Friday night at TuneIn.com. Search for KALA HD2. This concludes our 508th show of ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant. Our producer and engineer is Dave Baker. Our program manager is Rick Sweet. And the theme song for our show is titled Kayla's Theme and was written and performed by Mark Zapp Zappadal.
My name is Jay Swords. We would like to thank our guest, Brett Menard, Blackhawk College University instructor, who talked with us about his class, Can Creativity Save the World? The history buff for today's show was Ed Broders. This is ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, on KLA. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of St. Ambrose University or KALA. We would like to close by wishing our listeners to experience the great Basutu proverb, Otsa Pula Nala, peace, reign, and prosperity. And remember, historians are horrible fortune tellers. Good night.